Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe and download wherever podcasts are found or visit 1037thebuzz.com. Welcome in Out of Bounds here on 1037 The Buzz. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you as always for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. It is a Wednesday. We pretty much literally are through the midway point of the week. So I hope everybody's enjoying their week. Joe, we're halfway through this thing. We are. And it's going to be another short show coming up on Friday. (laughs) It's funny thinking about it. It really is. That's just how the schedule falls. So we're halfway there through the week. We got a full day today and tomorrow, but Friday is going to be a special day because we're doing Make-A-Wish, but it's going to be a shortened edition of Out of Bounds. That's right. So, we're, And correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, also tomorrow when we have uh, the gang in here to do our picks, is that still going to be happening tomorrow instead? Yes, it's okay. going to happen tomorrow instead. Okay, so yeah, because we want to make sure we have plenty of time to get those in. Do, do we have a tally on how the picks went last week? Did we get to those just yet, or do we need to wait until we get everybody it's in? It's all on Nathan. It's all on he, him. Oh, he's he, the guy. He keeps track of everything. He's the guy. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, so if I don't hear from Nathan, on that probably means that's probably didn't do too well for him, if that's the case. I think uh, I was just kind of keeping track, not not really, not officially or anything, but I didn't do too well. No. But well, I, I like taking chances every now and then. Well, see, that's, the, that's what makes it fun is sometimes you can take those high-risk, high rewards and end up being really beneficial for you, or you can just go chalk, always go with the favorites. But that's never too much fun. It's pretty boring. So, yeah, we'll have to get those together. And uh, I don't know, is there any sort of prize, any sort of reward? Oh, pride. Pride. You just got that's bragging it. rights. Mm. You can say, I'm the best okay. at picking games or sports or whatever the case may be here on Out of Bounds. Perfect. Because well, we'll, we did boxing as well. That's right. That's what we did. So, yeah, we'll, we'll roll with that. And then uh, we'll see how the scores shade it up. And if I'm on top, which I don't know if I am or not. I can't remember exactly what all I picked. But if I'm on top, I'm definitely going to start saying, all right, let's actually play for something now. So let's, you're going to brag week to week? Pretty much. And then yeah. I won't say anything when I do terrible during a week. So it all adds up. So let me ask you this. With uh, your team, the Jets, you mentioned that at the end of the zone. If we put the Jets game in week to week, are you picking the Jets every week? I mean, it depends on who they play. <laughs> but, no, I am not going to pick them every week. I'm not to that level of a fan of the New York Jets. Because, well, you even asked me when I got done with uh, doing a little teaser there on the zone, you're like, hey, why'd you say Jets so softly and under your breath? I'm like, because I'm a Jets fan. That's how you have to treat being a Jets fan is it's not something you'd be like, I am a Jets fan. You got to be Jets. (laughs) No, you got to be proud of them. You got to speak with pride when you talk about the Jets. How can I be proud of them when they have given me nothing to be proud of right now? But you're a true fan. That's all that matters. You've been with them through thick and thin, a lot of thin, but you've been with them through thick and thin. I guess it does make sense because if somebody asks me about, you know, who are you a fan of, it's like I say I'm a Razorback fan, but the problem is these past two football seasons made me kind of start lowering my tone a little bit when they ask, hey, who are you a fan of? Razorback. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's all right though, because anything can change, anything can happen year to year. Maybe yes. you can get back on there. Same thing with the Jets. Same thing with the Razorbacks. One year can make all the difference. Not saying that they'll both go out there and win a Super Bowl and win a national championship. As fun as that may be, that'd be fantastic for you. Yeah, it would be. I don't know what I'd do with myself, especially if they happened in the same year. I'd probably just go missing for a while. Uh, but 
as great as that would be, it's just something about being proud of them to what they accomplished, the effort they put in. As long as they're just competitive, that's really all that matters. And so, so speaking of that, about your team's winning championships, yep. we want to know today on Out of Bounds, what would you be willing to give up for your team to win a championship? Now, and I guess it's something you give up for about five years if you know that your team is winning the championship this upcoming season. That's right. Now, the reason we're doing this, because I know some people are going to be like, man, it must be a slow day in sports when you're bringing up this. No, there's a reason why. Just like it was when we brought up the quote-unquote great stadium debate the other day, there was a reason why. It was relevant to what we were talking about. Well, today is a little relevant as well, because, at least in the religious world, today is Ash Wednesday where the fasting begins or a lot of people who have and it can be and I'm just I'm trying to make it so general so I don't forget anybody on this because I don't know exactly who all does it but what essentially it is is that for the next 46 days which is before Easter you give up something in order to get more I'm trying I'm, I'm really struggling here Joe I'm trying not to <laughs> step anybody. on any toes exactly. offend anybody but exactly. you're good you're yeah. good yeah, you're because good. here's the thing I know that's in this day and age especially on that freaking Twitter as you know People are going to come flying in out of the woodwork and start uh, saying some comments about me. But anyways, this is when people start giving up stuff. They start saying, all right, until Easter, I'm giving up Coca-Cola. I'm giving up sweets. I'm giving up bread. I'm giving up whatever. And I figured, like, all right, so let's just make this current to what we're talking about. What would you give up for the next five years? I think is what we agreed to put the date on it. What would you give up for the next five years for your team? To win a championship, to win a Super Bowl, to win a title, however, what would you give up? How far would you take it? I really love steak, so I'd be willing to give up steak for the next five years. Really? Yeah. Just just simple as that, steak. Uh, do I need to go further? Do I need <laughs> no, no, to say no, no, beef no. as a whole? Or No, no, no. I was just saying that, you know, because steak... I mean, I love steak, too, but is that like your favorite number one Oh, yeah. Hands food? down. Okay. okay. Yes. That makes a lot more sense then. All right. You know, I was I was trying to figure out of what I would give up, what I how far I would take it, because you're talking about five years, which is a long time. That's a long time. And I may have to give up. Uh, what I'd give up video games. Not saying <laughs> I'm addicted. Not saying I'm addicted to video games, but uh, I definitely enjoy them. It's like a downtime activity for me. You know what's funny there. about that though? What's if up? you. At your age, at how old are you, 32, 31? Oh, come on now. 31? Yeah, I'm 31. Okay. <laughs> You'll be 32 this yes. year. All right. So you're 31. At your age, if you gave up video games for the next five years, guaranteed five years from now, you're not going to come back full full go and say, I'm back on the video games. You're going to just that's let true. that go. That's true. You just let it go. So maybe that's a good thing then. Maybe that's a way to get other activities involved in my life instead of just playing video games. But listen, I've grown up with video games. And again, I there was a time, especially in my early going of college, Joe, that I played video games so much that I, I didn't even, like, I didn't realize how bad it was until I warped my game system because I played it so much. Like, it died. Okay, that's what I, I wanted some clarity on that because I'm like, you warped it. What, well, what does I, that even mean? Well, when I say warped it, like I warped because this was back when it was like PlayStation 3 is what I had, but you know, it had the actual disc in it. Right. I The disc got warped so much and played so much that it essentially like melted and became part of the system and it messed up all the sensors and all that. At least that's what the guy told me when I took it in to see if he could fix it. So that's bad. did they not have some kind of warranty on it where you said Apparently they said, not. 
Apparently, no warranty is uh, done with the manufacturer when you just play it too much. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's not covered. Who would have guessed? How many hours would you say you average playing? Back then? Yeah. A day, I would probably say eight. Eight hours a day? What, when'd you sleep exactly <laughs> what what my schedule would be like when because I, I was in college and as we all know and how long it took me to go to college and didn't exactly go to class all the time uh but when i did go to class i'd go in the mornings i'd get home around probably 11 o'clock done with classes i'd go to work for about five hours and then that would bring me home about four or five i'd eat dinner and as soon as that happened got on the system played until one o'clock in the morning that was routine, routine. every day routine I, I'm not proud of it, but that's what it was. I was a master at Call of Duty Black Ops, though, man. I, I could play any game like that, and it was just, it, it was so, just, I don't know. It just engulfed me a little bit. So that's, but I got over it, and it helped out because that's what happens in age. You kind of grow up, you find other interests. Um, and as you could probably imagine, my, uh, my social life wasn't that great. <laughs> Dating <laughs> life was uh, a little in, in jeopardy. Non-existent. Yeah. So, I had to change some things, had to get it going, and, and now I've got to a point where I'm content on where I'm at with it, but I still have it there to enjoy in downtime. So what's your favorite video game? Is it still oh, Call that's of not Duty? Even, that's not even a that's, – that's a tough question. I mean, you're talking about of all time? No, no, just, just like right like now. Right now, what oh. – what, yeah. Yeah, right now it's probably just the – yeah, it's Call of Duty. Call of Duty? Modern okay. Warfare. I'm really like probably losing any credibility, little credibility that I probably had in a lot of people's eyes by talking about these things. But it's – hey, listen, I'm open and I'm honest. I want to tell the truth. I play video games. I love Call of Duty. I did a lot of Fortnite playing until it kind of got a little wacky, but I did that a lot. It's just – it's a it's a hobby, if you want to call it that. Okay. It's a hobby of mine. So, man, we really got on a rabbit trail here. You can make that um, another career. Because a lot of people are having success career-wise with that now. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, Joe, and this is uh, this is fun about and this is the fun thing about it, is that uh, this past football season, I actually have the equipment and setup to where I can stream myself playing video games. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I have a webcam and everything. Okay. And what I did this past football season is I got NCAA football 2013 on the Xbox 360, mm-hmm. which is the last time the college football game came out. I gave all the updated rosters on it, made all the make sure that everything's current, and then I would go in and I would play the video games as that right, Arkansas when they were about to play Texas A&M or playing Kentucky or whatnot. I would do that, and I'd put it on video, and I'd simulate the game a little bit. So what platform do you put that on? YouTube? Yeah, it was on YouTube. Okay. And I was shocked how many people actually watched it. Oh, a lot of people sit there and watch other people do things all day long. Oh, yeah. So that's why I wondered if it was on YouTube because that's the platform to put it on. You see kids, and HB and I talk about this, our kids will watch other kids play with toys that they like. They'll sit there and watch YouTube of toys they like, but they'll watch other kids play with those toys. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's it's like... That's how it was with me, with me and the gaming thing is because I'm like, why if I'm playing them, why not just put it out there, see if somebody actually watches it. But I got over 10,000 people watching some of those videos. 10,000. Wow. And that's stupid. That me. is it's me over the all, top. Me of all people who have like no business in that. So, yeah, just seeing how some of these people out there that are making millions, millions of dollars a year playing video games. That's what I was thinking about. Hurts Second me. career. It hurts me. Because I'm like, man, if I just could have gotten on on that early, where it was really starting to get going, jump into that seven years ago, eight years ago, however, there's no telling. 
what could have happened, what my career could have become. I could have been out of sports radio, which I'm sure everybody would have been happy about, <laughs> and I could be just sitting there playing video games all day and having people give me money. I like this part about it, though. I like you in sports radio, but then you stream yourself playing video games, and you can still monetize that as well. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe one day that uh, I'll get it picked because I thought about doing it in basketball too, but obviously with the the move that I had and everything going on, I was wanting to do it with the college basketball game too because they do the same thing where you can do the updated rosters and all of that. So make it real, at least sports related, because I know that uh, especially people that are on social media that follow me, they're mainly sports fans, and mm-hmm. that's why they follow me is because of sports. So I'm like, well, let's put both hand in hand, put a sports game with something that people follow me for, which is Razorback Sports, and try to make it work. You still have time to do all that. Oh, I still got the equipment, Joe. I still got it all. I may have to pick it back up again this fall and see if I uh, have better luck. Because here's the thing. I went 5-1 and one in the games that I played as Arkansas. That did not happen in real life. It did not happen <laughs> in real life. No, not even close. Yeah. In fact, uh, I, like I said, I, this was, again, not something we were supposed to discuss, but that's fine. I actually won the Alabama game on a last-second Hail Mary, and oh, I, lost, I lost my mind on video. It was great. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't worry about this, folks. It's totally fine, totally normal of a person to play video games as much as I do. But going back to the original <laughs> point of why this even discussion even got started was because it, since it is an Ash Wednesday, we were saying that what would you give up if it meant for the next five years, what would you give up if it meant your team would win a championship this year? So if you're an Arkansas Razorback football fan and you wanted that team to win a championship this year, undefeated, undefeated undisputed, what would you give up for the next five years? That's hmm. going to be the kicker. That is. Yeah. Oh. Joe would give up steak, I guess, for his, and that would be the Steelers? Is that would be your team? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, give up steak for five years. For five years for them to win that championship this year. I'd be willing to do it. I'd sacrifice. Mm. What, what would be your second team that you hope would win a championship? Second team? Oh, Yankees. Yeah, they don't win enough. Well, they haven't won any championships in 10 years. Oh, man. Stop traffic. <laughs> it's been a while. Wow. Imagine being a Jets fan. And Imagine they've being been, a Razorback fan. And they've been close. They've been close in the past couple of years. Jeez. Complain about not winning a championship for 10 years. It's been a while. It must be nice. It must be nice <laughs> to be a fan of a team that's that way. <laughs> but it's like, you know what? But as I always say, you may have the championships, Joe, but my team's Super Bowl was the most important Super Bowl. It was. It did change things. Yes. As so. we know. <laughs> so at least I have that to hold my hat on, is that Joe Namath drunkenly guaranteed on the beach that his team would win and that it was one of the most important Super Bowls because it ended up being the merger of the NFL and AFL. But we're going to talk about a lot of this, too, and uh, throughout the show. And we, of course, want to get all of you involved as well. You can call into the West End Cigar Hotline at 501-433-1037. You can also get after us on the Keithley Company Service Live fan feedback as well. We got other few things. Of course, Arkansas basketball tonight against Tennessee. It's going to be a big one, folks. There is no doubt that the Razorbacks have to win this one tonight in order to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. The only problem with this game that I have is that the matchup does not favor Arkansas, unfortunately. In fact, Josh Ward of uh, WNML uh, radio there in, Na- in Knoxville, Tennessee, when he's going to be joining us around 3 o'clock. We talked yesterday, and one of the things that he brought up was that he he doesn't just he just doesn't think that Tennessee's a great team, but the matchup that they have against Arkansas is going to be extremely difficult. And in fact, him, me and him are on the same side of the page where we say the only way Arkansas is going to win this game tonight is if they get hot from three. Now, any team can get hot from three, and any team can end up winning, so it's not like exactly going on on a limb here. 
But my point is, is that Tennessee's way too good inside, way too long inside, that if Arkansas is going to go out and get a victory, Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, Desi Sills, those three guys got to bring it from the three-point line. And even get Adriel Bailey involved. I don't care. But you got to make your threes tonight. Or else, if you don't, if Arkansas has another performance from three like they did against Tennessee last time where I think they only went three of 17, something like that. If you have another performance like that, it's going to be another bad night for Arkansas. Well, the best lineup that they've had to date has been the five-guard lineup. So they'll be able to do more of that simply because Isaiah Joe is there. And you will have more success altogether. I'm confident in, in saying that. But the key is going to be defending Tennessee because Tennessee is longer. Tennessee has a tendency to turn the ball over, so that's your advantage that you have to use. Absolutely. And here's another thing, too, Joe, that I was a little surprised by. Arkansas is favored by four and a half. I know it's a home game, mm-hmm. but four and a half points? They were favored by eight points against Missouri. Wonder, I'm wondering where that's coming from. Vegas knows. They know their stuff. But I, I don't know. I, would you touch this game at all? No. No, no. Not on either side of it. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. Over-under set at 135 and a half. Probably. I, I may touch that one because I think I think it's going to go over. Oh, you think it's going to go over? I'm always big on the over. I, I never go for the under. I always think that there's going to be a certain amount of points scored, and then a lot of times they come up short. Yeah. Um, the over to me is just a little easier. I think so I, as I can, well. I, I can live with it a little more, and especially in college basketball, or basketball in general, the over-unders are set that, Man, you know, because it takes just one team to get hot. But I don't, I don't touch them in football as much as I do college basketball, that's for sure. By the way, i got a few people who are messaging in into the Keithley Company Service Life fan feedback. Uh, Eric says, I got suspended from my mixer for taking my shirt off on Monday night when I'm streaming video games. It happens. Keep your clothes on, John. That's all I can say. Thanks for the tip there, Eric. I'll do my best when it comes to that. Uh, Corey says, John, you just gained some credibility. He says he's a Call of Duty go- Call of Duty. Ghost, PlayStation 4, and NCAA Football 14. So, yeah, he's, he's big on that as well. I like it, Corey. Yeah. Uh, big D says would, uh, you need to reverse your question saying, what would you give up to see a team you hate suck for the next five years? Ooh. That's another thing, too. What would you give up to see the most hated team of yours be horrible for the next five years? See, for me, um, I'm always about what my team can do, and I'm not worried about anybody else's team. So, ultimately, I want my team to win more than I want another team to suck. Yeah, but, I mean, which is, of course, the number one goal. I understand. But wouldn't there be some sort of, I don't know. Oh, you can take some joy out of it, for sure. You know, see, you being a Yankees fan, wouldn't there be some joy seeing the Red Sox just be the worst team in baseball for the next five years for you? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. I guess what's his main stealer? Is it the Ravens now? The Cleveland Browns. So Is it really? So. I mean, that that's always been their biggest rival. Yeah, you don't have to give anything up for them. For exactly. Them that's exactly what I was thinking. That would be nice. That, I, that's already happened. Yeah, I would I would love to see Kentucky basketball be awful. I mean, talking because we're talking about the worst team in all of their sport. That's what you would have to give up for. It'd be great to see Kentucky be awful. In basketball, at least. Huh. So Man. more more so than, like, Duke? Yeah. It's not Duke doesn't, what is I know Duke? they're not in conference, but I'm saying Duke is, like, when you think of college basketball, Duke is right there at the top. Yeah, but I guess so. I, just, I know a lot of people that love to see them suck. But I just don't hate. I guess I don't have that hatred for Duke as some people do. I understand it, but it's kind of like the same thing with Alabama. I don't hate Alabama. Football. I don't either. 
Like I like Saban. Yeah, I was like, I, I if anything, I respect him because I'm like, man, to do what y'all do is incredible, and y'all, and it's not like they they do it in a showboaty, you know, jerk type of way that we see have seen from other teams, from other dynasties and whatnot. You know, it's kind of like just they're just really good, man. If you want to beat them, you got to just be better than them. And so I don't know. I guess I don't have those hatred for that. But Ohio State football would be great to see, just be awful. Kentucky basketball. I mean, we could really we could really dive into both of these things. So that may be a way to do both questions. You know, what would you give up to see your team win a championship? You have to give up something for the next five years. Or the other side of it would be, what would you give up to see the team you hate the most suck for five years? Yeah, it, for me, it's going to be I want my team to win more so than I want the other team to suck. Yeah. But it'd be fun. That's exactly right. It'd be fun. And that's really what it's all about. There's nothing serious about this. There's nothing serious about this show, folks. Have you not been listening? This is all for fun. So it'll be interesting to see because we're already getting a bunch of comments. I know the phone lines are lit up. I'm sure they want to get in on that conversation as well. It's going to be fun having our own sports version of Ash Wednesday today, Joe. So back to Keithley Service Company Life and Feedback. Richard B. says, could you give up watching Arkansas, your favorite team, for five years knowing they just won a championship? And they probably will continue to be good for the next five years Ooh. or next few years. As long as I still get the tailgate. <laughs> if I can be out there tailgating, then, I'm with that. then I'll, I'll be all for that for sure. More Out of Bounds, 137 The Buzz, coming up. You're listening to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 1037TheBuzz. One hour down, two hours to go. Appreciate everybody listening in on this beautiful day here in the great state of Arkansas. John Neighbors, Joe Franklin in studio with you today. And thank you as always for making us a part of your afternoon this afternoon. Been having some fun here in the first hour of the show Talking again with our poll question, if you want to call it that on Out of Bounds, what would you give up for the next five years if I'm in a championship for your team this year? Had some interesting responses so far. Really interesting responses. One, any body part. The guy said he'd give up any body part, not for his team, but to see LSU suck for the next few years. I can't get down with that, man. No, no. I, I hate some teams now. I hate some people. I'm a hateful person, but I can't get down with that. We were also talking about high school basketballers in the state, mm-hmm. and uh, we got a message that Keith Lee left for a shoebox of money, and he went right down the street to Memphis. So hmm. we know that things like that happen, and I can imagine I could uh, I could imagine that happening. Yeah, well, and, and it's funny because it all got stemmed when we were talking about Malik Monk and uh, he, how he got suspended as it just came across timeline for the uh, uh, violating the drug policy of the NBA. The thing I think was like vitriol that a lot of people had for that because there's a lot of elements to it. But the worst thing about it is when you go to Kentucky. I think that that makes it even worse. I really do. If he goes to Duke or Kansas, oh, I think it would have been bad either way. See, but I but think, Kentucky in conference, I, I think you're right. You're I, right. Not only in conference, but there's just always been that history because not only is it Kentucky, but it's Calipari. Like both is just a bad combo, a bad mixture. So I think that that made it 20 times worse. Is not only did he leave the state, but he went to Kentucky. Archie Goodwin did the same Archie, thing. Archie, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, right. and there will always just be an element of Razorback fans that will never get over that. No, no, unfortunately, you're right. but that's that's just the way it is. But you know what? We're we're gonna switch gears a little bit and welcome in the man, 
Danny West. Oh, yes. Now it's time for the man that knows Razorback recruiting from hogsports.com. It's Danny West. Follow him on Twitter at Danny West one. Danny West, Mr. West, what's going on, man? Hey, brother, how are y'all? Hey, we're doing, doing good. We're doing awesome. How are you enjoying your Wednesday so far? Pretty good, man. It's been uh, a little bit slow in recruiting, you know, over the last few weeks, but starting to heat up as the dead period comes to an end this weekend. At 12.01 Sunday morning, you know, the coaches will be allowed to bring uh, recruits back on campus. So just trying to gear up for that a little bit. Still seeing a lot of new offers go out on a daily basis. So just trying to get back into the swing of things. So what kinds of things can you expect to happen coming out of the dead period right away? Is there immediate action where they want to host someone right away? Or is it just that they contact somebody about setting things up for later? Oh, no, they've got them set up already, buddy. Uh, matter of fact, starting Monday, they're going to have a four-star quarterback come in, Joe. Uh, Caden Salter, four-star quarterback out of Cedar Hill, Texas. So it's going to happen right away. And then next Saturday, March 7th, they ought to have a pretty uh, pretty big group coming in there. We've got several names on Hog Sports already. Uh, DJ Arkansas, John. Yeah. Next Saturday. How about that? Man. Looking forward to seeing DJ. So, uh I was telling somebody yesterday, if they can't get that one, I, I'm just about out of answers, guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys feel pretty good on a yeah, DJ Arkansas. Because a DJ Arkansas playing at Auburn just it doesn't go it doesn't bode well, yeah, man. I don't know if they would have him with Chad Morris being down there. I don't know <laughs> if they would even <laughs> No, he he's yeah, meant but, to be a razorback. <laughs> that's right. We'll see how it shakes out. He's gonna have a lot of options though, actually. About a month ago, I looked at him and watched his film, and I actually tweeted out. I was like, man, Arkansas needs to bring this kid to camp. And then what do you know, a few weeks later, they offer him. So <laughs> hmm. I really do. I think he's a, a really good player. Uh, again, he's a three-star linebacker out of Denton, Texas, Ryan High School. So that's obviously a big-time program. But to answer your question, Joe, they've they've already got several guys lined up to visit over the next several weeks. And uh you know, it's just it's part of it, man. They wanted this extended dead period through the end of February this year. I think coaches just kind of wanted a little bit of a break, and uh, now they've got to get back to it because it's, it's starting to heat up again. Well, let me ask you this, Danny, because I know that comparisons is what really we all have to go off of when it comes to the previous regime and recruiting because that was one thing that Chad Morris and his staff did a really good job of is recruiting. But just sure. from what you've gathered, is there any, like, real big staunch differences at this point in time, say, compared to what last year was about when it came to the coaching staffs, looking at off, looking at players, how they give offers, how they handle recruiting? Is there anything that you can tell that's a really big difference from what it was with the previous team? Sure. First of all, I think you bring up a really good point. For as bad as things went for Chad Morris here on the field, you know, 4-20 and 20 as a head coach, he actually did a lot of really good things. You'll never hear me talk badly about how his approach in recruiting, right? But, you know, they were very intense. They were very aggressive in how they operated and, and shelling out offers and, and really maximizing the uh, recruiting calendar. And I think I see a lot of the same similarities with Sam Pittman. The one difference, I would say, is probably geographical. You know, obviously that comes with the territory, no pun intended, but you bring in a new coach, he's got his own specific areas that he's got ties with. And, you know, so maybe it's not so much East Texas. Um, you know, maybe they get into Atlanta a little more. Obviously, you bring in so many guys from the former Missouri staff, you've got a lot of connections 
in uh, St. Louis. So I'm starting to see that a little more. Atlanta, St. Louis, rather than maybe Memphis and East Texas. You know, that could change. Having said that, you know, they're still hitting Texas quite a bit. In fact, I think most of their offers have gone out in the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, that's to be expected. But in terms of intensity and just getting after it, I, I would say it's still just about the same. And, uh, you know, it's still a lot more intense, a lot more aggressive than some of the previous staffs before Chad Morris. Like Brett Bielema, you know, I'm not going to sit here and hate on him. We've done that plenty over the last few years, right? But Chad Morris out-recruited him and, uh, and did it in a big way, in my opinion. Well, the thing is to me, Danny, is because you know a lot more about it than the recruiting. That's a lot of stuff that goes behind closed doors that we just don't get public knowledge of as far as how it's done and when it's done. But I felt like with Chad Morris, too, Chad Morris was a, was a great recruiter, but he just put together a staff that was of guys that could really hammer the recruiting trail. And But the thing is, is a lot of them were a bunch of unknown guys, too, guys that weren't uh, up to that level where they had a lot of SEC experience, especially that was one of the criticisms besides really John Chavis and Steve Caldwell. It was a bunch of young, energetic guys. But now you got Sam Pittman who's added in a lot of guys that have legitimate SEC experience. So is it these assistant coaches really heavily recruiting, or is it more of a Sam Pittman deal? What's kind of the, the way that's handled when it comes to getting after it in recruiting? Here's what I would tell you, John. For as good as, for as well as Chad Morris's staff did recruit, you're still only talking about the offensive guys doing most of the work. You know, I, I mean, you mentioned John Chavis and Steve Caldwell. No offense to them. I'm not going to sit here and bash them, but it was the offensive guys. It was Jeff Trailer, Justin Stepp, B. Lunny, um, even Craddock. I think probably deserves more credit as a recruiter than what he received here. Those guys are the ones who did most of the work. Uh, Mark Smith was a hard worker on the defensive side, I'll give you that. But really, I mean, you're only talking about half of the staff there doing most of it, whereas this staff, I would say, Sam Pittman's not going to put up with that. You're either going to carry your weight or you're not going to be here very long. I truly believe that. I, I've known Sam long enough now to to know he's, you know, yeah, everybody loves him. He's a fun-loving guy, but he'll draw that line with you very quickly, too. So I would say think you've got a better shot at having a full staff effort with Sam Pittman than you did under Chad Morris, if that makes sense to you. Danny, you've talked about some of the other areas for this coaching staff getting into. Is there anyone on the staff with Louisiana ties? Yeah, yeah, we've seen, uh, I want to say they've got three different coaches in that state. We've got the recruiting territories on Hog Sports, but Derek LeBlanc, he's got some ties there. Brad Davis has ties there. Uh, you know, Justin Stepp has spent quite a bit of time there. So, yeah, they've uh, they've actually shelled out a few offers in Louisiana. And uh, really that's been a trend since Bielema got here. You guys remember Michael Smith, the wide receivers coach, E.K. Franks, the recruiting coordinator under Bielema at the time. A lot of those guys had Louisiana ties, and I haven't seen it really slow down since then. So I think it's an area where, you know, you hate to call it LSU's leftovers, but it kind of is, you know what I mean? LSU can't sign them all. There's a lot of really good players down there, and I think it's a it's a smart move for any head coach that comes in to uh, try to tap into some of that talent down there. And so far, we've we've seen them continue to try to do that. And speaking of Louisiana, La Tech comes back onto the schedule in 2024. 
Yeah, I saw that yesterday. Don't know much about them. You know, the, the funny thing about some of these games, guys, they're so far out, you don't even know who the head coaches might be at that point, right? I mean, right. Four years from now, man, a lot can change. We've seen that, have we not, over the last few years. So you never know, but I'm all for it. I like the regional matchups. Um, having said that, John, I'm sure you remember sitting in War Memorial <laughs> in 2012 when Monroe came in. and Yep. That oh. didn't go so well. So you've all, you can't overlook them. Matter of fact, I want to say Arkansas played uh, Tech to a 21-20 game just a few years ago under Bielema. Is that correct? That is correct. First game of the season, 2016. Yeah, it was season opener. That's right. So a little bit of a scare that year. So can't overlook them. You know, they've always seemed to have a, a pretty solid team down there. But Arkansas is undefeated against La Tech all time, 4-0 against them. Knock on wood, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Those things can change. I've seen it. <laughs> well, let me ask you this too, Danny, as far as recruiting goes, because uh, something that we talked a little bit about yesterday was just recruiting budgets. Which I think is fascinating how many how much teams spend in recruiting, because, again, mm -hmm. recruiting is like the, the man behind the curtain where you don't know how it's getting done. The only thing fans really see is when you report it or put out stories like, hey, this guy has been offered, this guy's committed. And then on signing day, they see rankings. That's I mean, that's really the essentially of what it goes into. But yeah. as far as. The recruiting budget, though, Arkansas back in 2019 was the fifth most when it came to spending uh, behind some big-time teams. Is that what's going to have to happen for Arkansas to get to being consistently in the top 25? Are they just going to have to spend an inordinate amount of money to get to that level? Does it pay off? Man, you would hope so. I mean, that's uh, to be in the top five nationally, spending that type of money, you've got to have results, right? And Arkansas has not seen those results on the field. Having said that, I, I did just get through saying Chad Morris recruited well, so I think there was a bit of a payoff there. You know, looking into some of those numbers, a lot really goes into that. Arkansas, a, a program that does have to recruit more regionally because you don't have, you know, all that talent right here in a two-hour radius around Fayetteville, right? You do have to get out and travel quite a bit, and we saw that with uh, Chad Morris' staff. A lot of trips to Texas, <laughs> you know, a lot of trips back and forth, and uh they add up, especially when you bring in recruits for official visits. You know, that's being paid for. And XNA, I don't know if you guys have ever flown in and out of it. It's not the cheapest airport to get in and out of. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot goes into that. Where the kids stay uh, during an official visit, it comes down to what they eat. Arkansas obviously puts quite a bit of money into those things and, and uh, tries to roll out the red carpet. So, not really surprising. I figured they would be in the top ten. Probably didn't know they were top five, but, yeah, I could definitely see that, and that's got to be the trend for Arkansas, especially now that you're starting to branch out to St. Louis, to Atlanta. It's going to be a lot of trips down to Florida again, so probably going to maintain that status for you know foreseeable future under Sam Pittman anyway. Danny, ranked on 24-7 sports, the SEC starting quarterbacks for 2020 – Felipe Franks comes in at number seven overall, just behind Bo Nix. Do you think he's about where he should be? Yeah, you know, that didn't surprise me. And I'll tell you this, Joe, I think if, if that's how it's going to be, if that's how it shakes out, you've got to take it right now. You'll sign up for the seventh best quarterback in the conference, right? That would be a pretty drastic jump based on where you've been over the last few years. So I think, yeah, you've, you've got to be comfortable with that. You've got an SEC veteran. I think he's fully healthy now, coming off the really nasty injury that we saw early in the season last year. 
experienced guy, got some knowledge in this type of offense. Yeah, I, th I could see that being the case. Bo Nix at six probably surprised me more than Felipe at seven. You know, I, I think Bo might – he could move up in three or four range, right? Yeah, I think so. But how about this? Pretty... Number one, K.J. Costello of Mississippi State. That surprised yeah, Brad... me. My buddy Brad Crawford, he's a 24-7 sports writer. He's he's a good guy. But that one kind of – I think he rolled the dice a little bit on there. But, <laughs> you know, you've got Mike Leach over there now, so he's a quarterback whisperer, kind of like Dan Mullen was. So, yeah, I can, I can see why he did that. Well, it's incredible to me because when we were going through this list, especially in the SEC West, man, it's like not only do you have some, some really great teams, you had LSU just win the championship, Alabama's always going to be in it, but now the element of these coaches that have been added in. Like Ole Miss went from having Matt Luke to Lane Kiffin. And Mississippi State went from having from Joe Moorhead to Mike Leach. And, of course, Arkansas got Sam Pittman. But it's just – I feel like the SEC was a, SEC West was a great division last year, and now it's going to be even tougher and even better because of the coaches that are coming into this league, man. Well, it's a good thing you're in the top five in recruiting expenses, right? Yeah. <laughs> you better be able to go out and find some players to match up. And that's no shot at Sam Pittman, but he is unknown, you know, nationally. I think it probably raised some eyebrows. In fact, I know it did, but, yeah, you've got to have the players, man. Coaches can go from, you know, very um, unknown or average to, you know, man, he's really good if you get the right players. So that's what I've always thought that's what it comes down to more than anything. We've seen that time and time again. Coaches come out of nowhere to create a name for themselves typically had one or two standout players that helped him along the way so really to me if you're going to close the gap it's got to be in recruiting forget about all the all the coaching rankings and who's got the you know bigger namesake go get some good players that it'll, it'll work out for you well it certainly is working out for arkansas in the recruiting game that is for sure let's switch gears a little bit though danny go to razorback basketball because tonight they have a game against tennessee and bud walton arena at 7 30 p.m and they got the victory on against Missouri over the weekend. Isaiah Joe being back was a huge boost. We all know that. But what do you make of this matchup tonight against the Volunteers? Because the first matchup did not go well for Arkansas at all. Didn't go well at all. Isaiah didn't play. Uh, Mason went one for ten shooting that night. I think he finished with nine points. John, if that's correct. But, you know, when Joe doesn't play and Mason goes for nine points, you can just about bet. It's not going to go well for Arkansas, and that's exactly what happened in Knoxville. Really the only game that truly got away from them from start to finish, right? Now, we've seen them get away 17-point difference, 19-point difference, then Arkansas comes fighting back. That really didn't happen in that game. They just dominated them. And, uh, you know, Bowden, you heard about uh, in the intro there, you heard Coach Muss talk about Viscovi and the game he had in that first game. You've got to find an answer for them. The good news is, I mean, you get Joe back now, uh, coming off of a really big game. You're at home. Tennessee hasn't played well on the road as of late. I think they've lost to Carolina and at Auburn in their last two road games. So, you know, I think another good thing, John, is that there is a little bit of pressure on them right now, right? I mean, Arkansas is feeling that. They know they've got to have this game. Probably is a revenge factor to it based on how that game got away from them. So, I don't know if I'm ready to make a prediction. <laughs> I guess the game's coming up tonight, so I better hurry. But I would probably lean slightly toward Arkansas tonight, being at home. What kind of advantage, if any, does Arkansas have going into this game? I think uh, just getting Joe back, but not only that. I mean, the way Desi and Bailey are shooting from outside, 
You know, I think they combined for five threes. They went five of nine combined from three the other day. If you could guarantee that going into this game and Isaiah keeps up what he's doing, I mean, it just opens things up so much for you. So to answer the question, I think uh, probably the, the play of Bailey and Desi coming down the final stretch here, if they can maintain what they were doing last weekend, I think you've got a shot to close this thing out with a few more wins and, you know, stay at least on the bubble going into the uh, SEC tournament there. I think it's crazy, Danny, that we are still talking about the NCAA tournament because, and it's nothing against Arkansas. I'm not saying we're wrong for doing it, but sure. Arkansas is sitting at 17 and 10. They're four and five and nine in conference play right now. If you just gave me those numbers, it wouldn't even look like the NCAA tournament was truly an option, especially if you're expecting them to go four and zero the rest of the way, go nine and nine in conference play, because we always felt like. To go 500 or better is what's required to get into the NCAA tournament. But yet here we are. Why are we still talking about the NCAA tournament? Why, why is it still a realistic option for Arkansas? Well, I think those. I think a lot of people put a lot of stock into that net rankings, NET rankings, however you want to look at it. You know, there's still that Indiana win on your resume, and Indiana continues to play well. You know, and I think the committee would look at the fact that you did lose Isaiah Joe for how many games? A handful of them anyway. And uh, if you close this thing out strongly with Isaiah playing well, I think they have to take that into consideration. The SEC uh, record is what it is. You've got a chance to, you know, close the gap and become more 500-ish down the final stretch here. SEC tournament obviously would still be a big key for you, but yeah, there's a lot to go in that goes into it, but uh, you know they've still got a, a pretty decent resume. Uh, you know, I think they do anyway. I hope they do. <laughs> yeah. The NET rankings seem to suggest they do. So, uh, yeah, I think there's uh, still some confidence there. All right, real quick before we let you get out of here, Danny, our little question that we've been having fun with today is: What would you give up for the next five years if it meant a championship for your team? <laughs> His what team would you just do? won a championship. That's right. So you may have to switch it up a little bit. Find another team, real quick, Danny. What would you give up? I tell you what. Yeah, Joe makes a good point. The Royals <laughs> won the World Series in '15. We just won the Super Bowl. I'm not giving up any body parts. <laughs> I tell you this, though, it'd be nice to to maybe start covering a, a quality football program here in Fayetteville again. So. Might be willing to give up a pinky toe or something for 10 wins. I'd, <laughs> oh, I can wow. part with that, I guess. I, I like can't it. give up my fingers now. I've got to have my fingers to write about it. Yeah, there you go. that's absolutely correct. <laughs> that's right. Danny West of Hogsports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny West one Always appreciate it, man. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll catch up with you next Wednesday, all right? All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. Hey, appreciate it, Danny. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, Danny's got it good. He if, has it really good. If only we all could be as lucky and as fortunate with our teams as Danny West. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. That's going to be the hope for it. But, hey, we got more phone calls. We got more things we got to get into on Out of Bounds. 103.7 The Buzz coming up. You're listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at Neighbors and at 103.7 The Buzz. But we need to understand a little more about Tennessee. And in order to do so, let's go ahead and go into the West End Cigars Hotline. So we have Josh Ward of Sports Radio WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee. Good afternoon, Josh. How you doing, man? Hey, doing well. Good to be with you. Well, it's good to have you on because the these two teams have already met. And I want your side of this because we got to watch the game, and I guess we had to painfully watch the game because it was not a very pretty game from beginning to end for the Razorbacks. A little different circumstance this time, but – Take us back to that game. 
Was that a type of game you expected out of Tennessee against the Razorbacks? Was that just a game they played out of their minds in? Give us a little more of an indication from your perspective on what happened the first time these two teams met. Well, Tennessee came out and played hard. I didn't think that Tennessee was going to win in that manner. I thought Tennessee would win the game. Uh, I actually, on the radio that day, I was saying I thought Jordan Bowden would go out and play well. And uh, he, he didn't shoot particularly well from the outside in the second half. But at that point, the game was Tennessee's, and, and the Vols were able to control the second half. But I thought he came out and overall played well. Sonny Agoscovi just had a, a terrific game and, uh, and received the praise of Eric Musselman uh, for that. And uh, Tennessee around the basket just did what it wanted to and previously had had a, a really difficult time against Texas A&M and keeping them off the glass, and they didn't have that problem against Arkansas. So it was a better performance than I expected, and uh, it really was a worse performance than I expected from Arkansas, and I would expect a much better one in the game they're about to play. So, John, let me ask you, uh, we're constantly talking here in Arkansas about the Razorbacks' chances of getting in the NCAA tournament and what exactly has to be done for them to get there. What's the feeling with Tennessee as far as is their feel for they? You know, there's a thought that they can get into the NCAA tournament. They plan well enough, and what exactly needs to be done for them to make the tournament? I think Tennessee fans are holding on to hope that that could happen. That Tennessee could be in a position to be there. I, I think every fan would say Tennessee's going to win this Arkansas game, and then has to beat Florida coming up this weekend, and then has to beat Auburn. It would at least need to split in the next two, with Auburn being the most likely win for Tennessee at home, as opposed to going to Rupp Arena and beating Kentucky on the road. And I guess those, it's possible that Tennessee can win three of the next four. It's just that Tennessee has shown nothing uh, to lead me to believe that that's going to happen. I just think Tennessee's been too inconsistent, which is part of the problem for a lot of teams in college basketball. But for a Tennessee basketball team that is still pretty young, it's a lineup that has changed at different times because of injuries, guys that have been in and, and out at the loss of Levante Turner has just been really costly for Tennessee. As good as Santiago Viscovi has been since he joined the team, Tennessee lost a lot with Turner being out. So there is hope. But even if Tennessee wins three of the next four, I think fans would also say the Vols need to at least win a couple of games in the SEC tournament. So if that's the case, we're talking about Tennessee needing to win five of six. Nothing from Tennessee this season says that that's going to happen. They have a chance to prove me wrong there, but I, I would not bet on that if I'm Tennessee. Well, since we already saw these teams play before, and obviously Tennessee was completely and totally dominating of Arkansas, I'm going to look at it from the different perspective. I want your thought on it. If Arkansas is going to win this game tonight, what is it that they're going to have to exploit from Tennessee? What What is the weakness of Tennessee that Arkansas has to really hammer if they're going to get out of there with a victory? Yeah, forced turnovers. Arkansas did not do a good enough job of that against Tennessee the last time they played. That's been... I think overall the biggest issue for Tennessee when we talk about inconsistency from the falls this season, a lot of it is on the offensive end taking care of the basketball. They've not been a very good shooting team, but that's actually been a consistent part for the falls. If they give the ball up and they allow teams to get in transition and get easier shot opportunities, one, that can take away uh, Tennessee's defense, which has been good in transition. It can be more challenging because of all that just comes with that. Against Auburn this past weekend, Tennessee had a 17-point lead with a little more than 13 minutes to go in the game. It was on the road, but that's a game that Tennessee absolutely should have won. It didn't because it didn't take care of the basketball. The 
Uh, team had 24 turnovers. The starters, the guys that really play the bulk of the minutes and, and lead the way, they, they combined for 20 turnovers in that game. So I think that's easily the answer. If Arkansas is able to cause problems for Tennessee on offense, if they've all struggled to shoot, which has happened a lot, and Tennessee struggles to take care of the basketball, then it's going to be difficult for Tennessee to win. And Coach Muss referenced it. it they had a hard time of stopping Vescovi uh, in that last game. Uh, how good is he, and what have you seen from him this year watching Tennessee basketball? Vescovi's a really good player. His playmaking ability is at a high level. His ability to draw defenders and dish to his teammates, a guy like Eve Pond, who I think has really benefited, an athletic guy who plays around the perimeter but is good at getting to the basket and finishing with Vescovi leading the offense at times. Pond, I think, has been the first guy that's benefited him and, and John Fulkerson. But also, Vescovi's been a good shooter. He's been a pretty consistent shooter from the outside. And that's something that this offense was lacking, even with Lamonte Turner, because of his injury. So I think I think when you look into the future for Vescovi and Tennessee's offense, there's a ton of potential. Some of the issues for Vescovi has been taking care of the basketball, so turning him over is, is going to be key here for Arkansas to repeat that. And then defensively, he's not a great player. He has some improving to do on that side of the, the floor. And he's a guy, if I'm Arkansas, I would try to attack. Uh, offensively, but overall, Vescovi has been a big plus for Tennessee. And without him, if he had not joined the team at the start of SEC play, Tennessee's record in Tennessee season would be in a much worse position. Tell me about SEC basketball in general, because I know when we talked earlier, you asked me about it, and it's such a difficult conference to really figure out. There's a there's a lot of good teams that are good enough to get into the NCAA tournament. I don't know if there's any dominant teams, but what do you make of the SEC in basketball this season, or can you make sense out of it? Uh, day in, day out, uh, different answers probably for that question. Uh, <laughs> last night's game, for example, Mississippi State-Alabama, that was a game between two teams that I think have been kind of difficult to figure out or project where they're going to go over the last few weeks. I think Arkansas has been in that uh, position. That was a team at the start of SEC play. I was I was watching to see what would end up happening, and the Isaiah Joe injury uh, has not helped, as you know there. But there's not one elite team. I think Kentucky's the best team in the conference, and uh, I think we'll – will win out in the end, uh, has a big game against Auburn still coming up. But I think Auburn's a solid team, and it's a team where you have Bruce Pearl, so you like your chance. And, uh, and LSU's a tough team, but uh, Florida would be the big disappointment, I think, to keep the SEC from looking like a team at the top that can uh, – or a conference at the top that can be elite. So I think it's just a really kind of a transitioning time. I like the future with Arkansas with Eric Musselman. I like the future for Alabama with Nate Oates, and I, I really like Buzz Williams. I just think he's going to win a ton at Texas A&M and is already doing that maybe more quickly in conference play than expected. But it's kind of a reset year for Tennessee. The Vols should be back next year. And then programs like Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, Ole Miss, let's see what happens over the next few years. So different programs are in in different positions. But for the league this year, uh, it's no doubt down from what we've seen over the last couple of years where I thought the the conference took a really nice step forward. I I still like the coaching in the SEC that's why I would bet on the league being better over the next two to three years. Josh, like many teams in the conference, uh, Tennessee is a lot better at home than they are on the road. What kind of confidence does a team have going into this game on the road? I think they have plenty. Um, I guess there is the question of how does Tennessee bounce back after the loss at Auburn. It was a game that Tennessee was expected to, to lose, but not when it had a 17-point lead. So you know, when we're talking about a team that's, inconsistent and Rick Barnes is having to challenge them at times to 
you know, to step forward. I mean, you think about a guy like Jordan Bowden. He's been, he's been a role player for Tennessee and a really good one. Now he's a guy that has to lead at times offensively. Same with John Fulkerson and Eve Ponds. And at this point, we're late into the season. They should be more comfortable in that role. But just last week, Rick Barnes was talking about having to challenge those guys during or before games to realize that, hey, you have to lead the way. And I just think that's continuing to be a work in progress. Uh, to go back to Bowden, he's actually shot better at times on the road. He just had the best game of his career at Auburn this past weekend. He had 28 points, hit three or four threes, hit all of his free throws. He, he's a guy that led the way on offense. If, if he's able to do that tonight, that gives Tennessee a really good chance to win. So being on the road, I don't think that's as big of an issue. I think it might help Arkansas to be back at home. Uh, but for Tennessee, it's, it's more about their own mindset going in, whether they're at home or away. I don't think that really affects this team. They, they played well at Kansas came up short, but they played well at Kansas. I think away from Thompson Bowling Arena, Tennessee's still pretty comfortable. Now, Razorback fans are really excited about the future of Razorback basketball. You know, this year, they're still, even in my opinion, going over than what most people expected them. I think that they were picked to finish 11th. Uh, in the league by the media back at SEC Media Days. But the future is really bright. They have a top-five recruiting class in 2020, so fans are really excited. Tell me about Tennessee basketball and Rick Barnes, though, because they had a great year last year. It seems like they're definitely going to be one of those programs that are consistently getting in the NCAA tournament. But what's the future look like as far as recruiting and everything going for Rick Barnes in Tennessee? Yeah, expectations are going to be sky-high for Tennessee next year with Everybody except for Jordan Bowden projected to come back next year, and we'll see if that ends up happening because you know transfers go in college basketball. But the guys who have played the bulk of the minutes this season should be back next year. Again, uh, remove Jordan Bowden from that conversation. But then Tennessee will add a couple of five-star prospects and Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, two very highly touted players who will come in and play on the wing. And then uh, another four-star prospect in Corey Walker, a, a, a weak forward-type player, so Tennessee will have a bunch of talent coming in. Josiah Jordan James is a true freshman who's dealt with injuries. I haven't really talked about him here, but he's a guy that's been back the last few games, still plays a lot of minutes, still has a ton of talent. And if he gets fully healthy this offseason, him coming back for a sophomore season should allow him to make a big jump as well. And then you factor in that Rick Barnes got a big contract last offseason after UCLA came calling. So with him being one of the top three to five paid coaches in college basketball and a ton of talent, joining the basketball team next year. I think Tennessee has a chance to be a preseason top 10, top 15 team, and we'll be in the discussion with the chance to win the SEC championship. And I can assure you Tennessee fans will expect Tennessee to be in that position throughout next season. Josh, what are the strengths of the current team? I, I know we like looking ahead as well, but what are strengths of the current team? Well, Tennessee's a good team, I, I think, defensively, not elite, uh, but at times when it, uh, it's, playing, it's defending well on the perimeter, it, it can really cause problems for an opposing team because they do pretty well in assignments. I mentioned Vescovi. He's not an elite defender, but I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's killed Tennessee on that end of the floor, which I feared that he would when he joined the team trying to start up playing game number one in the SEC. Jordan Bowden's a really good defender. Eve Pons is a candidate to be the uh, defensive player of the year. So... Uh, when we talk about mindset and consistency, at least Tennessee has, for the most part, had the effort that Rick Barnes has asked for from his players, and that's allowed Tennessee to be a really good team on the defensive side. Uh, offensively, that's where they probably lack the consistency, shooting the basketball, but if they get to the free-throw line, uh, they have guys that can knock them down. So I think it starts with defense. If Tennessee plays well on that end of the floor, that's what gives Tennessee a chance to win most basketball games that it plays in. 
I got to ask you about some football, too, since we have you on here, man, because Tennessee football is one of those programs, and I'm not saying they're forgettable, but it just doesn't seem like they anyone's been talking about them. Uh, they had a, a bad start to the season last year, finished pretty strong. Jeremy Pruitt's back. The, the recruiting's been pretty solid. I know that there were some coaching changes, and the SEC West is mainly the topic of a conversation on this side of the country, but what about Tennessee football and the expectations that they have? Because old Rocky Top, they expect championships there in Knoxville. Yeah, uh, expectations are on the rise there for sure. And uh, I don't think to an unhealthy level yet. We can talk again in July and August, you know, <laughs> when they, they really start to climb. But Tennessee did have a good signing class. And Tennessee going into year three with Jeremy Pruitt, no matter how this past season ended up, fans were going to raise the bar for this upcoming season. That six-game winning streak and with a fifth-year senior coming back at quarterback, I think fans are – Still a, a little concerned with how Jarrett Garantano is going to play at quarterback, and, and we'll see how he does. But if the coaching staff is going to bet on him, fans are going to say, okay, time to perform. And if not, they have a highly touted guy in Harrison Bailey who's now on campus as an early enrollee. He had a, a five-star ranking as a prospect as well. Fans are going to say, well, if, if Garantano doesn't get the job done, you've got this five-star guy, put him in there, and let's win some games. So, I, again, I don't think expectations are too crazy right now. I think fans still recognize that Georgia and Alabama are clearly ahead of Tennessee from a roster standpoint. Tennessee has to play at Oklahoma this year. That's going to be tough. But Florida's at home, and the last two games against Florida have been ugly for Tennessee. Fans are going to say this year, okay, you need to be really close, and you might need to win this game this year at home. So, I really can't wait to see what the conversation is as we get to the summer months because uh, I think fans are ready to talk about Tennessee at least approaching contender status in the SEC East again. What do you make of Sam Pittman at Arkansas? Because Sam Pittman coached for a little bit there at Tennessee. That's really where he got started in the SEC and has worked his way up. He was at Georgia. Now he's head coach at Arkansas and finished pretty strong with the recruiting class, all things considered, that they were in uh, close to the dead last as far as Power 5 teams go. What do you make of him being the coach of Arkansas, and how do you think he can compete with this division that's just chock full of great coaches? Sure, and that ends up being the biggest question. For Sam Pittman, I'll say this from his time at Tennessee. The guys that I know that played for him or even were on the team didn't necessarily play on the offensive line but were around Sam Pittman rave about him, about his coaching ability, about his ability to connect with players and for them to trust him. And at Tennessee, the offensive line coach that Sam Pittman replaced, I think struggled with that at times. And there was a great appreciation for the way that he coached and a great amount of respect for him as a coach. Uh, He is well-respected as a recruiter as well. And also, I think a lot of people will look at it and say, really, they wouldn't hire an offensive line coach to be the head coach? What kind of jump is that? I don't think that there is one clear path. Of course, the most common thought is you go from position coach to coordinator and then either to a head coach or you start out as a head coach at a lower level and work your way up. I don't think there's one clear path. Yeah, we've seen coaches go from special teams coordinator to being a head coach, from position coach to being a head coach. Look at uh, the playoff this past year, uh, yeah, going from uh, an assistant to being elevated from Ryan Day at Ohio State, Davos Swinney, the path that he took, Ed Orgeron, the path that he took to be the head coach at LSU. There is not one conventional path. I think Sam Pittman's a good coach. I think he can relate and understand how to put a staff together, and I think he can recruit. Now, will it be good enough to win at a high level in that division? That's the biggest question. But uh, in, in terms of coaching ability and a guy that's going to be respected, Sam Pittman's going to be high on that list. 
Well, I think Razorback fans are just hoping that they can do better than four and twenty in back-to-back years. Surely they can. Surely <laughs> can just do better than that because it's been pretty rough for Razorback fans in football. But hopefully, Sam Pittman can get it going in the right direction. That is Josh Ward of Sports Radio WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee. Appreciate you hopping on with us, Josh. Enjoy the game tonight, man. And I know we'll be catching up with you. All right. Hey, you got it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Out of Bounds Podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found and be sure to visit 1037thebuzz.com for all things buzz.